in for a show tonight, son. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. Oh! I was a little disappointed that there weren't more students at the last game. I'm raising the ante. Anybody wants in, get in. Anybody wants out, get out. Social media reports that, that LAPD was called. LAPD was called. <laughs> Welcome to Beyond Reason. Now here's your host, Gage Dansby. Hello everyone and welcome to Beyond Reason. I'm your host, Gage Jansby. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, be able to spend some time with your families, hopefully watch some good football, some good basketball. We had a lot of games going on uh, throughout the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, if you went Black Friday shopping, uh, kudos to you. Um, hope you guys didn't get trampled or anything uh, going into Walmart or Wherever your destination was for Black Friday, hope you got everything that you needed and, uh, you know, were able to spend some time with your families. Um, I noticed one thing over the holiday that it seems to me uh, that stores keep opening earlier and earlier on Thanksgiving. I don't get that. I saw statistics saying that a third of all stores across the United States, or at least a third of all employees across the United States, have to work on Thanksgiving now. And I mean, what's what's the point? I mean, isn't the point of Thanksgiving to be able to be with your family? I mean, isn't that the whole idea of why Thanksgiving was made in the first place? To be able to sit around the dinner table with your family, say what you're thankful for, you know, have a good time, maybe watch some football or something like that. Even though I'm a Detroit Lions fan and we have to deal with disappointment every single Thanksgiving holiday on Thanksgiving Day. Because every time since 1937, I believe it was, when they faced the Chicago Bears for the first ever Thanksgiving game, it just went downhill, downhill, downhill. It's the Detroit Lions. What do you expect? Anyways, that's enough of Thanksgiving. Let's get into what's been going on through these past couple of days. First thing I want to talk about, college football playoff. It's getting really close. We're heading into the conference title games. We got the Big Ten championship game, Ohio State versus Northwestern. We can pretty much all figure out how that's going to turn out. But you know what? Maybe Northwestern pulls something out of the hat. Pat Fitzgerald, Big Ten Coach of the Year. Maybe he's got something up his sleeve that he hasn't been doing throughout the entire season. We'll see. We'll see. When we go to Indi- when they go to Indianapolis, hopefully Northwestern is able to at least make it a close game. Because the last thing I want to happen is to them go to Indianapolis and just get absolutely throttled by Ohio State. That's just going to be demeaning whenever... Northwestern goes into a bowl game because let's face it they made it to the Big Ten title game they're going to get into a bowl game no matter what now if Northwestern beats Ohio State in the Big Ten championship I could see them being a New Year's Six game but we'll see as of now Ohio State looks like they're going to take that spot because they're not even in the top four remember the last time that we talked or at least as Sergey and I talked uh, who, who is not here currently Michigan was number four in the college football playoff. It was Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and then Michigan. That In that order, one, two, three, four. And then all of a sudden, a little thing called the game happened. Michigan versus Ohio State. Michigan, number four seed in the nation, taking on Ohio State, the number two seed in the nation. And for the longest time, so let's go back. Michigan has never won a football game in Columbus, Ohio for the past five times they were there 
before this game, all right? And for the first time within that five, uh, that five game time frame where they went to Columbus, this is the first time where Michigan was actually favored to beat Ohio State in Columbus. Now that should be something to be excited for, right? I mean, honestly, Michigan going into Columbus, Ohio, one of the toughest, probably one of the toughest places in the Big Ten to be able to compete due to the fan base. Now, Michigan and the Big House are up there. You could argue maybe East Lansing with Michigan State, but it's either Michigan or Ohio State. Those are the big stadiums in the Big Ten where the fan base really has a giant advantage or plays a giant advantage to the home team. So Michigan goes in with actual favorite. Lee Corso, now of course, his predictions aren't always the greatest, but he did his little headgear selection and said that Michigan was going to come out on top. Even Kirk Herbstreet, former Ohio State quarterback, who credits to him, he's in Columbus back in his alma mater, and he provides great unbiased sports opinion. I give kudos to Kirk Herbstreet. That's why I really like him. Picked a Michigan. Honestly, he picked Michigan. The only person on the college football, you know, college game day slate who picked Ohio State to win was the guest picker Bryce Harper. And that's because he's an alma mater of Ohio State. And he truly felt that due to the home field advantage and Dwayne Haskins being able to make plays, that Ohio State was going to come out on top. Now, of course, Desmond Howard, you know, biased Michigan fan. We all know what he, where he went. He went Michigan. He believes that they're going to win the title game every year. He, you know. He's a Michigan fan through and through. But then the game actually started. And when you look at the final score, it isn't as bad as what you think it was until like about the second half. First half, it was a pretty close game. All right, it was back and forth a little bit. Eventually, Ohio State had some touchdowns. Michigan came back and answered a little bit, but Ohio State was ahead of the half. And then all of a sudden, Urban Meyer must have said something. And Ohio State came out swinging. Final score is 62 to 38. High scoring game. It was sure fun to watch. But you got to think Michigan has the college football playoff and possibly the Big Ten championship on the line here. You would think that they would come into this game with a little bit more emotion than you think they did. Jim Harbaugh simply got plain out coached by Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer pulled every trick out of the bag that Ohio State had, and they were able to clean house against the Wolverines. Michigan had no answer to it. Of course, they were able to score touchdowns with their final total of 38 points. But it doesn't help when Ohio State comes around and scores 62 on you. No. Shea Patterson, he did everything that he could. But the thing was, Ohio State just seemed more determined to win the game than Michigan did. I think Michigan got a little bit arrogant. I felt like they came into this game going, oh man, we're number four in the nation. We're favored to win for the first time ever. We're, this game is in the bag. I don't care if we're in Columbus. We're going to get this win. And then all of a sudden, Ohio State reminded them who the big dog in the Big Ten is and absolutely throttled them. This is the best Michigan team that I have seen in a while, okay? I can't remember the last time that Michigan, when they went to Columbus, actually was favored to win the, a football game. Basketball? Yeah, Ohio State basketball is, well, average at best. But football? Come on. When was the last time that Michigan going into Columbus was favored to win a football game? 
It's been a while, right? And then all of a sudden, Michigan is in that situation. And I'm thinking, okay, if Michigan doesn't win this game against Ohio State with this team, they had a quarterback. That was the excuse that Michigan fans were always saying, oh, man, as soon as we get a great quarterback, we're going to go to the promised land. We're going to go straight to the national champ- straight to the national championship. And they got Shea Patterson from Ole Miss. He's been doing good all season. They got that quarterback that they were looking for. And then Columbus happened. What do you say to that? I mean, Michigan, if Michigan can't beat Ohio State with that team, with that great a defense and a solid offense, both passing and running game, are they ever going to beat Ohio State again? I mean, honestly, this is the best Michigan team that I have seen in years, and they still couldn't beat Ohio State. Michigan was arguably the better team. But Ohio State just pulled something out of the bag. Urban Meyer did what he did, outcoached Jim Harbaugh, and they won big time. Going to Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship once again. It's going to be a while, in my opinion. It's going to be a while before Michigan beats Ohio State. If they ever beat Ohio State again. I don't see a point in the foreseeable future where Michigan football will beat Ohio State. If this team didn't beat them. I just don't see it happening. Ohio State's going to continue to do great recruiting as it does. Michigan's getting up there. Of course, they're doing uh, great recruiting classes, but with the team that they had this year, the potential was really high for the first time in a while, and they they couldn't execute. With that being said, I don't know when the next time will be where Michigan actually beats Ohio State. Certainly not in the foreseeable future. I mean, hopefully they win within the next decade. Hopefully. I mean, I don't know. The only thing, if Michigan somehow gets better and they become like the number two, number, uh, they can't be the number one team in the nation. That's always going to be Alabama. But if they become like the number two or number three team in the nation and they're just smoking everyone in their game slate, I could see it happening. They just got to make sure that Ohio State's coming to Ann Arbor. So, because we all know what happened when a great Michigan team goes to Columbus. They don't do anything. They got to make sure that Ohio State comes to Ann Arbor, hopefully to get the home crowd advantage on their side, and maybe they can pull away with a win. But, with that good of a Michigan team, the home whose you know whose field they were on shouldn't have mattered. I think that Michigan should have won that. They had the opportunity to be able to go to the college football playoff. They blew it, and I don't see them beating Ohio State for the foreseeable future. Now, if we go back to the playoff, the current standings, top three haven't changed. It's one Alabama, two Clemson, three Notre Dame. Number four, since Michigan lost to Ohio State, is now Georgia. That's right, two SEC teams back in the college football playoff. That was the national championship last year. And the SEC title game is on Saturday. So, here's my question. If Georgia pulls off a miracle against Nick Saban in Alabama, and they win in Atlanta, regard it, I mean, keep this in mind. 
The SEC championship is held at the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta. That's where the Atlanta Falcons play. And Atlanta, that that's home field advantage for Georgia. All right, Georgia fans can just go straight to Atlanta, not that big of a car drive, and support their team against Alabama. Now, of course, Alabama fans are probably going to show up in full force for the SEC title game. Maybe not because, you know, they've been there so many times that they're getting tired of it. Wouldn't it be nice to be them for a change? And maybe Georgia creates a little home field advantage for them. And maybe they pull something out of the hat. I don't see it happening, but if they do, where does Alabama go? They still have to be in the playoff, obviously, one lost team, but obviously they lose, they lose the number one slot, assuming that, of course, Clemson and Notre Dame remain undefeated. Notre Dame's going to remain undefeated because this week is their bye week, and they're good. They're undefeated, heading into the playoff. Everything's good. Then you got Clemson. I don't see them losing the ACC championship game. There's no one even close to their spectrum in the ACC where they'll be able to take them down. So, if Georgia beats Alabama, and that's a big if, it's going to be probably one Clemson, two Notre Dame, but where would you put Georgia and Bama? If Georgia beats Bama, would they go to the three slot and Alabama goes to the four? Because Georgia beat Alabama, so why would you put Alabama above Georgia? I don't know. I mean, Alabama, I still think, is a better team. But if Georgia miraculously comes out with a win, I don't see how they couldn't go over Alabama in the standings. Obviously, they're going to have to keep Alabama in the playoff. They can't just rule them out altogether. That would be foolish. Alabama's arguably the best team in the nation. Even if they lose a game to Georgia, they're probably going to bounce right back. So, that means Alabama's probably going to go to the fourth slot. Which means another... Big Ten no-show in the college football playoff. The last time the Big Ten was in the college football playoff was Ohio State when they faced off Clemson, and it was a slaughter fest. It wasn't even close. Clemson marched to Ohio State and gave them the business right from the start. It wasn't even fair. The Big Ten is slacking in football when it comes down to crunch time. Last year, it was USC versus Penn State in the Rose Bowl. All right, Big Ten champion Penn State goes to the Rose Bowl. They didn't make it to the college football playoff, went to the Rose Bowl to play USC. Home turf advantage for USC. USC wins on the last second field goal. All right. Ohio State goes to the college football playoff, gets totaled by Clemson. Okay. And now it looks like the Big Ten isn't even going to get that shot anymore. It looks like. Ohio State's going to go straight to the Rose Bowl if everything stands here. And uh, Michigan's probably going to get a New Year's Six game, maybe an Orange Bowl or a Peach Bowl or something like that, maybe a Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, all the other uh, teams, maybe if Northwestern pulls something out of the hat, like I said earlier, and beats Ohio State, they're probably going to get a New Year's Six. They might go to the, they're going to go to the Rose Bowl. Usually the Big Ten champion goes to the Rose Bowl, so we'll see Northwestern go over to the Rose Bowl. But where's the Big Ten after that? Michigan State, a 7-5 team, they're going to get some mediocre bowl that no one's ever heard of. Purdue, they're a 6-win team, but again, mediocre bowl no one's ever heard of. Like They're probably going to get to come to the Quick Lane Bowl or something like that, or the Idaho Potato Bowl or whatever it is. There's so many bowl games I can't even keep track anymore. Maryland, no. Rutgers, huh. 
Michigan State almost lost to a 1-10 Rutgers team. How embarrassing is that? They, they went by and came into East Lansing with a quarterback that was actually from the state of Michigan. It was first ever career start, and they almost beat Michigan State on their home turf in East Lansing. A 1-10 Rutgers team. The biggest joke of a team in the Big Ten. The junior varsity equivalent of a Big Ten football team almost went into East Lansing and took down Michigan State. Embarrassing. There's a little bunch of talk going around that uh, offensive coordinator Dave Warner should be fired. We'll see what happens in the offseason, but I know that Mark Dantonero doesn't like to fire his coaching staff. He likes to keep everything, you know, nice and wrapped in a good little bow and uh, not fire any of his coaching staff, not create any drama. So we'll see what happens. Maybe all the talk about Dave Warner, maybe we'll get him to think, but I don't see it happening. Now, let's say Ohio State probably wins the Big Ten Championship. They're going to go to the Rose Bowl. Who are they going to play? Uh, so we're probably going to go with the Pac-12 champion, who is probably going to be Washington State. I'd say Washington State, but they lost to Washington, however, for the Pac uh, in their latest Pac-12 game. So I'm going to say it's going to be either Washington or Washington State. Those are the top two teams in the Pac-12. So it's probably going to be Washington or Washington State against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Sorry, Michigan fans, it doesn't look like you're going to be heading to Pasadena. Should have won that game in Columbus. But where does that leave everyone else? Well, Big Ten's just not doing good this year. They're they're trailing off in the college football spectrum. I'd hate to say it. SEC is still king of the crop. ACC still is now starting to make a name for themselves. They got Clemson. Miami's coming back a little bit. Florida State's becoming a joke. Um, you know, SEC is getting stronger. I don't know how Tennessee's doing better. Florida came out of nowhere. Haven't seen them doing this well since Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow were there. But the Big Ten is slacking in the football industry. You know where they're not slacking, though? Basketball. Look how many ranked teams are currently in the AP Top 25 for college basketball. Michigan. Michigan State. Maryland, Northwestern, Purdue. I mean, it's going on and on and on. And it looks like there's going to be a great slate of games in the Big Ten for basketball season. I'm excited. Especially when you look at the games that have just happened previously. Last night, Michigan played against North Carolina. Arguably one of the best teams in the nation. Blue blood, up there with Duke. And... They came to Ann Arbor for the first time ever, which is surprising me. I don't know why North Carolina didn't come to Ann Arbor any sooner. And Michigan beat North Carolina by almost 20. The big, uh, the Chrysler Arena, the place where Michigan plays their basketball games, went past capacity. Mass capacity is like 12,643. It was 12,707. They managed to go beyond max capacity. That was, I, I was just watching the game on TV, but I could tell that was one of the most electric appearances in the Chrysler Arena that I've seen in a while. Michigan basketball is back. That hasn't been that electric since the Fab Five were there. Jalen Rose, Chris, uh, Chris Weber, you know, uh, Juwan Howard, those guys. I haven't seen the Chrysler Center that electric since the Fab Five. And, you know, they got a great freshman that looks like he's going to be Mo Wagner's replacement. That's scary to think. They got Jordan Poole back and Charles Matthews doing their thing. 
you know, Jordan Poole scoring 18 points last night, Charles Matthews scoring 21. The freshman, who I have to look up his name because it's so hard to pronounce, but he scored, let's see, 24 points, and that was, again, I got to look up his name, and that was Brezdikis. Ignis Brezdikis scored 24 points. He did fantastic for a freshman. He's going to be scary. I don't know if he's up to the potential for one-and-dones yet, but he's going to be scary in the Big Ten. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Michigan State, they're doing all right. They lost a really close game to the number one Kansas team. Well, actually, Gonzaga's number one, but at the time, it was Kansas in number one. And, you know, they lost a nail-biter to Louisville. But other than that, you know, they're cleaning house and stuff like that. So we'll see what happens with them when it comes to March. But other than that, I mean, it's going to be pretty exciting. I'm excited for Big Ten basketball this season. 84-67 was the final score from Michigan against North Carolina. And for Michigan to beat a blue blood that bad, they are going to be an extremely scary team. I'm a little worried about them when Michigan State goes their first game to the Chrysler Arena in Ann Arbor. It might not be a pretty sign. Hopefully, Michigan State changes up their offensive scheme a little bit so it's not just passed around the outside and shoot up a three at the last second in order to beat the shot clock because that's how it's been like for the past few years. Hopefully, they pull something out of the hat. Tom Izzo, his nickname is Mr. March for a reason, so hopefully they pull something out of the bag come NCAA tournament time, and hopefully we don't lose in the round of 32 to Syracuse. And 11 seed Syracuse. Still mad about that. Anyways, we'll be right back with Beyond Reason. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Beyond Reason. And we're going to continue with the talk about basketball. We just talked about the Big Ten slate that's coming up. A bunch of ranked teams. It's going to be very fun to watch. But now we're going to go into the pros. And this is a little side story that people might not have seen. But Kawhi Leonard. Currently plays for the Toronto Raptors. You might have heard him in the offseason. He was that San Antonio Spurs player that wanted to get traded. That whole thing about uh, him getting traded to the Raptors for DeMar DeRozan, yada, yada, yada. Didn't like Greg Popovich, so on and so forth. Great player, right? Signed a shoe endorsement. Now, you got to be thinking, all right, it's Kawhi Leonard, so probably maybe Jordan. Maybe he signed an extension with Jordan Brand because that's where he was. Maybe he switched over to Nike. Maybe Adidas offered him something really well. No. He signed a shoe deal with New Balance. Yes, New Balance. The classic sneakers that your dad usually wears to family events. Besides, uh, whenever he wears those Nike Air Monarchs, you know, they switch on and off. New Balance. I didn't even know New Balance made basketball shoes. Did you? Honestly, can you think of an athlete besides baseball players? I know that baseball... New Balance is big when making baseball cleats. I know that like half the players in the MLB wear New Balance cleats. I'm talking basketball purely. Name a basketball player or a pro basketball player, college player even, who chooses to wear New Balance basketball shoes. Can't think of anything? Yeah, exactly. Because they don't exist. The last time New Balance, I think, was even worn on the floor was Tim Duncan. I know that he just retired a couple years back, but he was like the only player that would ever wear new, new Balance basketball shoes. Maybe. All right? That's a maybe. 
Since when does New Balance think that they can get into the basketball shoe game and compete with players like Nike, Jordan, and Adidas? Under Armour's even getting up there. They got a good deal with Steph Curry. You know, they're getting a bunch of athletes. Puma's even getting in on it. They got DeMarcus Cousins under their belt. Puma's getting back into the game. And now New Balance wants a slice? What, what does New Balance think that they can do to be able to propel themselves up into, like, Adidas-level territory? They can't get up to Nike and Jordan brand, so, I mean, let's, let's say maybe Adidas territory. Signing Kawhi Leonard, okay, that's a start. I mean, maybe Kawhi Leonard wanted to create some buzz, uh, wanted to be the only New Balance athlete besides just another Jordan brand athlete. Okay. Maybe he just wanted to be, you know, an originator, you know, going against the status quo type of thing. But New Balance, do the, are their basketball shoes even any good? Heck, I just found out that they existed, let alone are they are they even good in the first place? I mean, New Balance, I know they made like running shoes, you know, casual lifestyle shoes. Again, I made the joke earlier, you know, it's your dad's favorite shoe besides the Nike Air Monarchs. But I don't see them successfully going into the basketball industry. There's so many players in the basketball industry right now and even people that are just starting to get their head in the game like with Puma they're starting to create basketball shoes again they got DeMarcus Cousins but the three main players you know Adidas Nike Jordan Brand you got the fourth major player that's starting to get up there Under Armour there's so many brands that are vying for the attention of these basketball players and you choose New Balance that's a bold move Kawhi Let's see how that plays out. That's a bold move. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am just close-minded. Maybe I'm ignorant with the fact that New Balance doesn't make basketball shoes. Maybe they make really good basketball shoes and New Balance is going to be the next big thing. If so, I will repent all of my statements and I will wholeheartedly apologize to anyone listening and Kawhi Leonard especially for not seeing, for me not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But at this point, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. It's New Balance for crying out loud. The running slash lifestyle shoe brand that, you know, jokingly is supposed to be for middle-aged fathers is now trying to get into the basketball industry. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, kudos to New Balance for trying. I just don't see it happening. And I just, for Kawhi Leonard... Don't you think that he he's going to catch some heat on the court for that? A bunch of players are going to make fun of him. Maybe it's going to drive his game up a little more. A bunch of players are going to make fun of Kawhi, be like, oh, man, look at those New Balance shoes. You must be, you know, you know, how old are you? Stuff like that. And then maybe that will propel him to score like a 50-point game. Who knows? But I, I just don't see New Balance really making a dent in the basketball shoe industry. But that's just me. Moving on, the Oakland Athletics baseball team. How many of you know that they weren't even in Oakland in the first place? Kind of like how the Detroit Pistons used to not be in Detroit. They used to be in Auburn Hills, but we didn't call them the Auburn Hills Pistons. Sacramento Kings basketball team, they're still not in Sacramento, California. They're like in a suburb area outside of Sacramento. Oakland Athletics, they weren't actually, uh, they weren't actually in Oakland. They were in San Francisco. Until new sketches that have been proposed by the Oakland Athletics baseball team wanting to move the field back to Oakland and create this like giant park area 
and right next to a harbor uh, called Howard uh, called the Howard Terminal uh, in Oakland that's just across the bay from uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. It looks mighty impressive. Of course, it's going to cost a boatload of money. Uh, apparently, that if this deal goes through, it's probably not going to be ready until like 2023 or something like that, and that's at the earliest. But if you want to look up the sketches, it's Oakland A's Baseball Stadium Howard Terminal. Type that into Google, and the sketches that were released by the PR team of the Oakland A's should come up. And you can see for yourself, it looks like they're going to try and create a giant park district next to Oracle Arena where the Golden State Warriors play. You know, uh, the Oakland A's currently have a stadium that's just like basically across the street from Oracle Arena. And they're basically going to tear down that arena, make a giant park around Oracle Arena that's supposed to like encourage, uh, you know, people to, you know, just have fun there and, you know, hang out for the day and not just come there in order to watch a Warriors game. And then they're going to move the park directly onto Howard Terminal, which is next to a bay that separates Oakland and San Francisco. So it's going to be basically right on the water. It looks like even some of the stadium is actually going onto the water. Like they had to extend part of it in order to make like a platform of some sort. And it's going to be an open stadium and it looks all nice and pretty, you know, concept art looking all futuristic and whatnot. But I, I'm just surprised that the Oakland A's weren't even in uh, Oakland in the first place. They were in San Francisco and stuff like that. But I don't know. It It's good, you know, that they want to actually go to Oakland since they are the Oakland A's. But man, this looks expensive. And then all the Oakland residents were going to be like, who's going to be paying for this? Is it going to be based off taxpayers' money with the city of Oakland? And apparently, the Oakland A's state that they're going to be paying the costs up front, 100% them. It's not going to be cutting into taxpayer dollars. They already made an agreement with the city of Oakland that this is going to go through. Uh, they already made an agreement to buy the section in Howard Terminal where the new park is going to be, but it's still in the very early stages. Concept R was just released, and don't expect anything to happen anytime soon. You know what? Good for the Oakland A's. And uh, I got to say, if it looks anything like these concept arts, it's going to be probably the most beautiful looking stadium in Major League Baseball. It's going to be marvelous. I mean, it's going to be right on the water. You know, you got a great look out on the horizon. The San Francisco Bay Area is going to be past, you know, the uh, backfield and stuff like that. So if you're looking past the backfield, you can see the financial district of San Francisco you know, it it looks beautiful, but of course, it's concept art. It's supposed to look like that. Remember those drawings that came out a little bit ago where Detroit was thinking about bringing Major League Soccer team to downtown Detroit, and they were going to use a section of the Greektown district um, back where, you know, that old, like, Monroe County jail site was supposed to be, uh, where they started building it, but it never finished. That section where if you ever go to Detroit it's that section where it just goes off of um, I-75 and Gratiot where you're coming in on Gratiot and it's going to be on the left side it looks like a torn down building but in reality it's supposed to be the new jail site for the Monroe County Jail but it was never finished because they ran out of money uh, when the recession happened so there was a plan for a major league soccer team to come to Detroit and the arena was going to take the place of the jail site, the jail site was going to be somewhere else. And 
the concept art looked amazing. Everybody got extremely excited and stuff like that. And, you know, but it kind of fell through. I mean, I haven't heard anything about it. It could still be in talks. I don't know. But I haven't heard anything about it since uh, the concept art was revealed, I'd say, a little over a year ago. So, Oakland A's, round of applause to you. Um, hopefully, you actually pull the trigger on this because if so, it looks it's going to look fantastic. I'm sure everybody's going to love it. And if you're paying 100% of it, it's not going to go to taxpayer money. That's even better uh, for the citizens of Oakland. So, you know what? Good for you. So, the only other thing that I want to talk about will be coming right back and we'll talk about the other top stories of the day including the top story not sports-related when we come back to Beyond Reason. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond Reason. I'm Gage Dansby, and the top story that we are looking at that is not sports-related is... So, the NASA handshake. Have you heard of the NASA handshake? So... Recently, if you haven't heard about it, uh, NASA landed a rover on Mars and it's supposed to look at different areas of Mars that we've never explored before. Very nerve-wracking experience for all the engineers in order for it to actually touch down. Once the touchdown actually occurred, you know, NASA was like, hey, everybody, you know, look here. We uh, had successful landing and stuff like that. Everything is smooth sailing. Everybody in the control room starts celebrating, and all of a sudden, these two NASA engineers start breaking out with like a touchdown celebration that you see in the NFL. Turns out that it was actually two San Francisco 49ers wide receivers that they were copying, and it just made the rounds on social media. I mean, these two NASA engineers had the handshake down pat. They executed every handshake, every motion, every gesture perfectly and it was perfectly in sync it was one of the best things that i have ever seen this week where you just got to think that these guys have been preparing for this 30 or like seven minutes of landing process for i don't know how many years of how you know how many painstaking hours of building this rover and being able to get it to land on mars and then all of a sudden touchdown confirmed and everybody starts screaming woo yeah we did it and the touchdown celebration occurs the san francisco 49ers players loved it they even tweeted at him saying you know i gotta visit nasa sometime and shake the guy's hand and you know shake these two uh it was a man and woman shake these people's hand and stuff like that so they loved it everybody loved it and you know kudos to nasa for doing another successful mission and you know that's just a quick story for today so Hopefully you all enjoyed this week's episode of Beyond Reason. I'm Gage Dansby, and if you missed this episode, don't forget we are on all podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, so on and so forth, so catch up on the show there. I'll see you all next time.